Hello, and welcome to today's episode, The Axeman of New Orleans. We're going to conceive the history of this infamous serial killer by taking a visit to New Orleans and travel about a hundred years back in time to do so. Throughout his criminal history, there have been numerous theories that have cast doubt on his identity, predicting that it might be just one person, or a mafia gang, or copycats. However, it remains one of the most perplexing and daunting cases till today. But when logic is applied, the X-Men's identity demonstrates that it's the work of a copycat. As the name implies, his 12 attacks and 6 killings were completed with an axe owned by every one of his victims. The majority of the victims were Italian grocers who were slaughtered while sleeping. He was described as a white, heavy-bodied man in his 30s dressed in a dark suit. Nonetheless, some people also claimed that he had dark skin. Let us now delve into the bloody scenes created by him. On May 22, 1918, he attempted his first assassination. Joseph and his wife, Catherine Maggio, were discovered lifeless on the bed, with their heads bashed and throats cut. The axe was allegedly left in the bathroom, along with the razor that was thrown into the Rainbow's garden. The only thing broken was the lower panel of the back door, and surprisingly, no valuables were stolen. Louis Bessemer, a Polish immigrant, was alive a month later with the wound on his head, but his mistress, Hiria Lowe, was unable to survive. Before she passed, she complained that Louis was the one who had attacked her, and that he was a German spy. As more crimes followed, Mrs. Schneider, a pregnant woman, was attacked in the same way as the Maggios, but fortunately survived. Similarly, Joseph Romano, another grocer of an Italian descendant, was murdered a few days later. After a seven-month hiatus during which New Orleans was gradually forgetting about the serial killer's actions, the axeman returned. On March 10, 1919, Rosie and Charles Cordomiglia survived the axe attack, but their two-year-old daughter did not. Attacks similar to this continued to occur when Steve Boca, Italian grocer, and a teenager, Sarah Loveman, couldn't remember anything after each other incidents. Mike Pepitone, a grocer and a father of six, was possibly the Axeman's final victim on October 27th. Hearing his screams, his wife rushes into the room, seeing him dead and two people running away. Mike Pepitone died in this accident, while his wife and children were unharmed. When it came to the evidence part of this case, there was no physical evidence found, since our serial killer was very skilled at not leaving any fingerprints. One of the pieces of evidence that the authorities had to rely on was his appearance. According to BuzzFeed Unsolved, one of the victim's nieces caught a glimpse of a dark-skinned, heavyset man running out their door. This made the case a bit consistent, since in almost every case of the Axeman, he was described as a white working male around his 30s, as the Smithsonian Magazine describes it. What's even more controversial is that in Axeman's last attack on Mike Pepitone, his wife supposedly reported that she spotted two people leaving the house in a hurry. Both of these witnessing events point to the presence of a copycat, that it wasn't just one person who had the desire to kill. The other part of the evidence research was the Axeman's MO, which was the pattern of targeting Italian grocers from 1910 to 1912. At first, this was thought to be a racist hate crime, since Italians were becoming successful in the whole economical stage. This created challenges for the civilians who were already living there. Jealousy, compelled a desire to destroy Italians, arose for an enigmatic assassin who did not hesitate to eliminate them. But the murders that happened in 1918-1919 didn't just include grocers. The crime and investigation source how victims such as Mrs. Schneider 
and the teenager Sarah Lawman were women with no connection to Italians or groceries. In Sarah's case specifically, the killer appeared to have entered through the window rather than his usual entrance, which is a small panel chiseled out of the back door. This shift in Axman's demeanor led to speculation that it could have not been the same person, proving that it was copycats. Logically explained evidence portrays that it was copycats that followed Axman's style of murder, but many believe that it was Joseph Mumphrey because he was accused by a witness. Esther Pepitone, former wife of Mike, was confronted by Joseph Mumphrey in Los Angeles in 1921. He demanded money and threatened to kill her in the same manner as he had killed her husband. This part can be interpreted in different ways because Esther married another man who had a connection with Joseph Mumphrey, so it's unsure about which husband he's talking about. No matter what, Esther, being the brave woman that she is, shot him several times with a gun and informed the police that he was the Axeman. While this may appear to make sense, it doesn't because it lacks logic. In every crime that the Axeman has committed, he has never thieved anything valuable such as jewelry or money. He only came to do one thing, which was to kill. Even if he did come for something, he should have done it in his typical manner, break into her house at night and slaughter her with an axe. But that wasn't the case either. It was also previously stated that Esther observed two people leaving her home the night her first husband died. Who is the other person if one of them is Joseph Mumphrey? This makes Joseph Mumphrey's actions seem to be out of nowhere and is proving that he couldn't have been the Axeman as these reasons lack pure logic, confirming that it was several individual serial killers. Evidence suggests that the murders were finished by a group of impersonators rather than a single person. Keeping this in mind, some theorists believe that the Mafia might be involved. This is supported by evidence because there were Mafia calls dedicated to reducing the Italian population, which makes sense given the Axeman's motive. However, John D'Antanio, a Mafia expert, argued against it by noting the fact that Mafias never let their victims survive. But when he came to the Axeman, all he wanted was to do was to see the sight of his victims lying in a pool of blood. Then he leaves satisfied never to return to the same house. Even the crime library suggested, quote, there were no clear patterns to the crimes, and that they seemed to have been picked at random, end quote. The story of the Axeman's wrath continues to give anyone shivers. There were numerous suspects and theories put to trail, but none of them directly matched with every piece of hard evidence. The specific of his appearance differ between cases as to his motivation, proving once again that it was multiple troubled individuals. Although the terror of the Axeman has vanished from New Orleans, his legend continues to thrive deep in the shadows where he emerged from. As this episode of this unsettling and unsolved case ends, a reminder before we wrap this up, be cautious of your back door. <laughs>